0: This podcast is brought to you by the Mountain West News Bureau with support from America Amplified, a community engagement journalism project.
1: I'm Nate Hedgie, and you're listening to Facing West. Right now, it's high noon. I've just finished cycling about 30 miles, and I'm in a ghost town, Jeffrey City. Most buildings are boarded up except a gas station owned by a potter and this bar on the side of the road. It's one of those places where everyone turns to take a quick look at me after I open the door. There's the bartender, a couple drinking Coors Light, an old dog laying down on the floor, the drink cooler's roaring. I grab a chair in the corner of the bar and the waitress comes by and asks me my order. What would you like? I think I'm gonna go with the, uh, the rattlesnake burger. Okay, you want fries or chips? i fries. Okay, thanks. I get the vibe that uh, she doesn't really do want have, me here. What do you got for sodas? Oh. Okay. I all Pepsi products. Okay. Actually, you know, I'm just gonna go with some water. I think it's not helping that I'm really tired and really indecisive. Oh, actually, you know what? Sorry. Uh, coffee. We got coffee. This is definitely a locals bar. No one has smiled or nodded at me. Then again, I'm sitting here wearing spandex, smelling like two days without a shower. I look like an outsider. I don't fit in. This episode is all about fitting in. There's a dominant culture in the rural West, a way of doing things, but some people don't fit that mold. So grab your helmet, saddle up, and get ready for the ride because you're listening to Facing West's first season, Across the Great Divide. The winter storm has just barreled through Dubois, Wyoming. There's about six inches of wet, heavy snow on the ground. The power keeps flitting on and off. There's this mysterious siren that's playing across town. It gives the morning an almost apocalyptic quality. I'm stuck here because I can't ride my bicycle in the snow. Instead, I'm walking, trying not to slip on the slush and ice. Dubois looks like the set of an old Hollywood western. There are boxy wooden buildings, a business that takes old-timey photos of tourists. Outside a bookstore, I see Stephanie Arachi in a wheelchair shoveling snow. Did you expect snow to come this early here?
2: No. Um, Normally when it comes this early, I've been told it's more like slush rain. Like it doesn't really stick, but no, not like six inches of snow.
1: (laughs) Arachi has dark curly hair and is wearing a puffy coat. She moved here with her family less than a year ago. Her husband got a job at a nearby military museum, and they bought this bookstore together. They're originally from California. That word, California, it's almost like a four-letter word around these parts. It's shorthand for outsider.
2: People saw our California plates, and they immediately thought we were coming here to try and change the town and be Californian. And uh, I mean, when we bought the store, a couple old-timers came in, and they said, so what are you gonna change about this place? And I said, nothing. He said, good answer.
1: Arachi quickly learned not to rock the boat here. It also helps that her politics align with a lot of her new neighbors.
2: You know, I'm a libertarian. I believe that people should do what they wanna do, just don't affect other people, right? So, I mean, I, I believe in hard work and providing for people in need. I donate to local charities and stuff like that. I don't think that the government should provide for people. I think it should help people in need. I don't think that it should always be given people. um, But I'm also kind of different because I'm in a wheelchair and I've been paralyzed for seven years and, you know, I still had my law practice and I drive and I'm 100% so I'm very, like, people can can do it. They can survive if they have the determination and if you're given everything.
1: Arachi wants government out of her life. Instead, neighbors can help neighbors. That's why she likes living in Dubois. It's why she fits in.
2: Yeah, I think what really works about Dubois is that it's a it's a cowboy town. People are friendly, people look out for each other. I mean, that's what we loved about it, and I think they're worried that if so many outsiders come in, then it's gonna change that kind of feel. Um, but, I mean, we were new here, and a lady I knew uh, was right on the river, and they had flooding, and so we were down there helping them with sandbags. Like, that's the kind of people we are, and that's why we love this town, so that's kind of how we proved ourselves. It's not about, you know, politics or, or, you know, like social, anything like that. It's like, are you going to pitch in and help your neighbor when, when they need help?
1: This compassion is a point of pride among a lot of people I've met on this trip. I've definitely felt it too. People will pull over their pickup trucks and offer me a ride over a mountain pass. They'll ask me questions about my bicycle, see if I need a place to stay. Yesterday, I met two cyclists riding across the country who've experienced the same thing. They were cruising down the western side of the Continental Divide. Bikes loaded down with gear. Young, sweaty, dirty, just like me. Okay, so my name's Mateo. I'm from Washington, D.C. And at the moment, I'm cycling from there to California. And Mateo, what's your last name? Schlitz. And your name?
3: My name is Leah Wirtzen. Where are you from? I'm from Baltimore, Maryland.
1: Awesome, man. What are you doing here?
3: Uh, I'm crossing the country on my bike. Virginia to Astoria, Oregon. I've grown up on the East Coast. I've never been out West before. (laughs) This is your
1: first time out West. What do you like about out West?
3: Oh, my gosh. It's just, I feel so little. It's so humbling. Just the scenery, the landscape is so dramatic.
1: Yeah, because where we're standing right here, I should probably describe it. I mean, we're surrounded by it's insane uh just <laughs> the descent, the descent? Oh my God. Yeah. yeah big big mountains open meadows a lot of sagebrush it'll, be, it'll get even more sagebrushy when you guys come further down um how are you so kind of one of the the main tracks of my my whole thing is you know 2020 is a crazy year this is probably one of the craziest years we've how, how are you feeling about america these days especially with this unique vantage point of riding across it
3: so much faith restored in this country
1: oh, tell me how, how so oh, the people
3: that has been the greatest part i call them trail angels people who would just go out of their way to make sure i'm like comfortable and well fed and like just kindness of strangers that got me this far.
1: they give her free food let her set up camp on their lawns and both leah and mateo's cross-country route mostly avoid cities Instead, it cuts through rural communities and small towns, places with a lot of blue Trump 2020 flags. In D.C., like, around me, if you were a supporter of Trump, you know, you were the evil. And uh, it's been cool to meet Trump supporters that I don't necessarily agree with, but have been very, very good people and good hearts, so. He says traveling is helping him bridge the political divide these days because he gets out of his bubble and meets people with different beliefs. They aren't boogeymen. They're kind to progressives like Leah and Mateo and to journalists like me. But we're also all white. As for me, I grew up in a small town in Wisconsin. I hunt. I own guns. Apart from the spandex, I look like everyone else here. I can fit in pretty easily there are those who don't fit in. About a week later, I'm sitting at a picnic table in Saratoga, Wyoming. The wind is blowing through the cottonwood trees. There are a couple of mule deer eating grass. I'm talking with Kari Davey. Do you wanna start just by counting from one to 10 just so I can get my levels correct?
4: One, two, three.
1: Davey was born and raised here in Rollins, Wyoming, but she doesn't look the part. She's got a nose ring, hip yellow glasses, tattoos on her wrist and knuckles. She works as a sous chef at a local restaurant.
4: Just yesterday, so I go out in the dining room and someone's like, you look like a criminal. And uh, so it is different and people do look at me more different. Sometimes people ask me what this shit in my face is. Really?
1: Yeah. uh, Yeah, what's your reaction when you hear stuff like that? And have you always dressed like that? Have you always been kind of a...
4: Yes. Uh, So... uh, I just thought punk rock was really cool when I was like in middle school and high school. So, yes. And then I, everyone would just like think I was like a little thug. It's kind of the same. I don't know. They just like think it's old mindset here.
1: Saratoga is a pretty conservative, pretty white town. Only a couple thousand people live here. While Davey's Italian, she has darker skin. That confuses some people.
4: So, it depends on like where I live they think I'm different things. Like uh in Arizona they thought I was native a lot and it's just whatever the main brown population is there, they think I'm that. At first, when I first moved here, people all the time are like, oh, you no, know they out of state or moved here. And I was like, no guys, no, I just moved back here from living away for a long time. And they're like, oh yeah, your mom and dad work in town. I guess you're all right. It's pretty much like the vibe. I don't know, it's definitely like a little bit racist, but yeah, it's like out of towners in general. You
1: see more of a race, race element to it too. With there,
4: like... all, there is one, yes. But like, it's also just like out of towners, like, oh, all these California people, all these Texas people. You'll be somewhere and you, like, hear them being all catty to someone from out of town or someone that doesn't speak, like, that has, like, an accent even. It doesn't even necessarily, like, have to be an accent that, like, they speak a different language and they learned English. It's like just to speak an accent, they're, like, kind of a dick to them.
1: And that whole thing about neighbors helping neighbors, it's not about being friendly, she says. It's about survival.
4: Everybody always says everything's so far apart here. If you don't stop and help them, they could die. Like, that's what my mom and dad have told me my whole life. You have to stop and help people because it's so far apart from anyone and no one could drive by them for hours. And so I feel like that's like a whole different thing. Right. Okay, it's like-, like, it's like not so much being nice, but if you don't help this person, they will die. So there's not necessarily <laughs> a
1: friendly, it's like, we don't want someone to die.
4: Exactly. So we- like, it's just like a general goodness. Like Like, I don't think people here are super kind.
1: A few days earlier, I heard something similar. I'm riding my bicycle through the Mormon college town of Rexburg, Idaho, when I spot Meshike Elizabeth Lumbama and her friend, Wendile Sabisi. They're walking down the street wearing gym clothes, two black women in this majority white town.
5: I feel like people are, they're not genuinely polite. They, they act polite, but they're not. <laughs>
1: Kumbama and Sibisi are international students from South Africa and Zaire. It's been a bumpy transition moving to Rexburg.
5: I get tired of hearing questions that just don't make sense. What what kind of questions? Like, oh, did you know lasagna before you came here? Oh, your English is so good. Where did you learn your English? I'm like, I spoke English my entire life. Like, what are you saying? But yeah.
1: And how about how about yourself? What's your what's your read on Rexburg and, and this community?
3: Um. So for me. I come from a small town too, so like Rexburg is it's kind of in my comfort zone, I can say. Uh, but America in whole, like, it's definitely not like what I saw in the movies or anything like that. <laughs> uh, it's totally different, and even when I speak to people, I'm like, oh, is like, is it like high school musical and stuff? They're like, no, it's not like that. And yes, you do get those questions where they ask you, like, do you know what a balloon is? It's that thing you blow up, like, and they ask you, did you learn English in the States? And they're still very um, naive about how Africa is like. Um, they think yeah. there's animals walking in the streets. They think we live in tree houses and so on. So it's, it's, been, it's been interesting.
1: A lot of this is just ignorance and bad education. I remember growing up in a small town in Wisconsin, kids would ask me if I used to live in an igloo because I was born in Canada. But sometimes this ignorance crosses a line into prejudice and bigotry.
3: I've heard people say that, like especially when we are in a group, that we are intimidating. I don't know, even like on campus, that's what has been said. So it's almost like, I just don't know how to describe, it's like the people like, I don't know if they want to feel comfortable around us or if they just have accepted the fact that these people are not from here and they'll they'll never be from here and we don't have to like, be nice or anything around them. We don't have to feel comfortable around them. I don't know. It's just very strange. Because you'll meet people you don't know if they're genuinely being nice when they say hello to you and and they tell you that they like your hair, or if they're just like...
5: Oh, I hate that. The hair thing? I mean, like, how would you feel if I came up to you and just touched your hair? It would be so weird, right? Is this what? real? Is your Is this, hair so, real? Oh, my gosh. How long your long did bit... that take?
1: Even even oh, pretending yeah. to do it feels a little intimidating when somebody just, reaches out and...
5: reaches out to my hair. So you know what I do? I reach out to the hair, too. I am like, oh, your hair. And then they realize it's kind of weird. It's very
1: weird to and do I'm that. And I'm like,
5: I'm going to do it to you what you do to me. I wouldn't walk up to you. You would think I'm going to, like, hurt you. Yeah. Like, you, you don't have the right to touch my... Like, you can ask me, like... You know, like, just don't walk up to me and touch my hair like I'm a petting zoo. And even that thing of,
3: you, your English is so good, you speak so, man, where did you learn your English? So I will say the same thing to you, your English is good, where did you learn your English? I mean, why does it have to be that thing of like, because I'm black, I'm not supposed to speak English, good English. So when I do, you're surprised and you're asking me questions like, where, how, why? <laughs>
1: Many rural Westerners have little experience with other cultures. And sometimes that means assumptions about outsiders. But there's also blatant racism. When I'm riding across this landscape of desert and mountains, occasionally I'll see Confederate flags flying next to the stars and stripes. At a rest stop in Wyoming, I hear an old white man tell a crude joke about black men to a highway worker. But the West, like everywhere else, is a spectrum It's complicated. A couple weeks later, I'm cycling through Rollins, Wyoming, on a Sunday afternoon. The town's economy relies on oil, not tourism, so the streets are pretty quiet for a weekend. This is where I meet Jesus Archuleta and his cousin, Lucas Medina, unloading a 30s-era green Chevrolet into a parking lot.
6: I bought it a couple years ago, and I just barely finished painting it up.
1: (laughs) You might remember Archuleta from the first episode. He was that Trump supporter who said protesters were a terrorist group. Well, he's also Hispanic, living in a majority white town. Both he and his cousin, Lucas Medina, say Rollins isn't a very racist place.
6: I think it's pretty good. It used to be bad when we were growing up, which I think it's that way with everything. But Rollins right now is, I think Rollins is pretty good now.
1: How was it bad when you were a kid?
6: Oh, just back then there was a lot of prejudice and stuff growing up, you know, and it was pretty rough. I think on all sides. But now I think it's gone to be you know, there's still a few of the the older people there but you know, that are somewhat, you know, prejudiced. But I think all in all Rollins is a I think Rollins has gotten good pretty good now. And what's your read on it? Ah, uh, from what I've
4: experienced, um, you know, it's Never really been too bad. Everybody's been, you know, like, through my generation, I'll speak for, you know, like, we've all been, uh, been pretty fair here. I mean, everybody's pretty much cheated the same here since I've grown up race-wise, you know, and stuff. So, I mean, it's, everybody comes together, like this guy was saying, and yeah, you know, it's a, really good, a cool little town, man.
1: Archuleta and Medina may have an easier time living in this cool little town because they also fit the mold here. They're pretty conservative. They work in the trades. They're big Second Amendment supporters.
6: When we in high school, we used to carry our rifles in the back of the cab on a rifle rack. Yeah, we'd have guns in our trucks. And- we'd go shoot pistols and rifles out and, you know, shoot rabbits and go fishing, all that stuff. You know, now our, kid, our kids don't have a chance. They pull a gun out, everybody thinks they're terrorists. You know, if they're going out just to go target practice right yeah. away, you know, it's, it's a different world now.
1: Archuleta and Medina are standing firmly in their own older world. It even has its own language that tells you, hey, I'm part of your group. I know what it really means to be a Westerner. I'll remember to close the cattle gate on your ranch. I can fix the serpentine belt or the hitch on your pickup truck.
0: It's not really my line of work, but I have worked a lot on cars like let me just help you fix your truck for 10 minutes and then I'll go on and he's like who are you and I was like have a good day
1: (laughs) those are all things that Sharon Martinson has done I meet Martinson on the side of a highway close to the Colorado border she's eating yogurt and granola and sitting cross-legged in the back of her Toyota Prius she actually recognizes me probably because she hosts a music show on one of our partner public radio stations she's also a bluegrass musician Right now, she's making some extra money working for the Census Bureau. That means she's driving up to ranches around here.
0: People maybe get a perception of me, right? Like I'm driving up with county five plates on a Prius.
1: (laughs) The license plate on a Prius begins with a five. That marks her as someone from the more progressive college town of Laramie, Wyoming.
0: But you know what? As soon as I jump out and I put your serpentine belt on and I fix the hinge on your cattle truck maybe that gets dissuaded a little bit of their perception of me.
1: How did you learn how to do that stuff?
0: Oh, I fixed everything growing up. You know, with my dad, we grew up out of town. It was, and you know, when I walked up to this guy, I was like, well, I've got smaller fingers than you and I pretty much know how belts go. I don't know this truck, but we can probably fix it. And 10 minutes later, he fired up and drove off. It was great. So it was just growing up, learning how to fix everything. That's cool. You know, houses, cars, cattle trucks, whatever it is.
1: Knowing this language, knowing how to fit into the rural West has opened a lot of doors for Martinson this summer. She says people here are really friendly, even to her, a census taker driving a Prius.
0: These would be like the people who don't want to interact with the government, who aren't, who don't, you know, they're the, the hermits, they don't want to do anything related to anything. And yet I'm still, it's the same welcome arms, it's the same smiling faces, and it's the same people who have their own stories to tell. They're not different. You know, we we think we're divided only because, like, politics has made it into, like, a sports event to have humanity be divided, and it's not the case. Like, we're still just Wyoming. And
1: so kind of to push back on that a little bit, because I've experienced sure. the same thing, right? Is I've had nothing but, like, very warm, kind, generous people. A handful of them will also tell me that they're prepping for a coming revolution and a Civil War, right? Like, mm-hmm. I'll hear that disparity of, like, you can yep. be extremely nice to me, but you're also, you know, preparing for some sort of like vague villain oh yeah right Mm -hmm. that's coming I'm also able to navigate this because I'm a white man Mm. who knows I mean I know how to talk to Westerners like I I lived here for a long time and I know that you're a white woman yep you know how to fix people's trucks and everything else like that do you think that that plays a role in how kind folks Mm -hmm. are to you
0: Surely it does. I mean, we, we, we have our experience because of how people immediately perceive us, right? You know, we're both standing here, white people in a pretty white state, um, not doing anything that could be perceived as immediately offensive to anyone. Um, and not everyone has that luxury it does remind me of my own prejudices as as much as I as I don't want to have them but as much as I recognize them and when I walk up to um maybe some really rundown trailer and I'm like absolutely nobody could live here right like I'm this can't be one but I'm doing my job and you know open the door and it's it's some person and yeah they haven't done the census because they've been you know i get the whole story they've been taking care of a sick grandparent and they haven't had time for this and they just had their kid and they're fighting this that and the other thing and it's like you exist and you have your story and here i am you know with my own with my own prejudices and one of the beautiful things i think about maybe you've seen this too about meeting tons of people mark twain said it's like you know travel is is the antidote to that and meeting so many people who look different, do different things, act different, and then just being like, oh yeah, you're also human, just like me.
1: We are all human, and maybe Mark Twain is right. Travel is the antidote, especially nowadays, when we've been vegetating in front of our computers and our televisions during the pandemic, getting curated glimpses of other Americans through the news. Riding my bicycle, I do feel like we have a lot in common, and that people are generally friendly, caring, nice. But I keep going back to that same fact. I'm a white guy from a small town in Wisconsin. Just like Martinson, I can fit in. I don't know what it's like to cross this part of the country on a bicycle as a person of color. So I call someone who does. Hello. Hey, is this Scott?
7: Yes. Hi. How are you? Good. How are you? Good. Thanks. Good.
1: Scott is Edwards is a name professor name at Harvard uh, University. He's also Miami. black. Earlier this year, he rode yeah, his bicycle um, across the country, including uh, here in the Mountain the
7: time. West. It was uh, mostly for personal reasons. I took the trip. Just I, I, was, I knew how well you could connect with the landscape and the people uh, on a bicycle. Um, but then a few days into the trip, uh, for a couple of reasons, it took on a bit of a political dimension.
1: In late May, police killed George Floyd in Minneapolis, setting off protests and a national conversation about racism in America. As for Edwards, he strapped a Black Lives Matter sign to the front of his bicycle.
7: It became clear after a while, and particularly in some parts of the country, that, you know, a Black Lives Matter sign, actually, it makes some people uncomfortable, whether they didn't want to think about it or, or what.
1: For a few people, that sign meant he didn't fit in. That said, it also sparked conversations. Some of them were spirited, but Edwards says most of the people he met on the road were generous and friendly. And sure, they were conservative, but...
7: The truth is they, they 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 probably don't care what color you are if you you know sort of share the same values. With, you, with, with them, then, you know, you're okay.
1: But he also notes that even without the Black Lives Matter sign, conversations often wended their way towards race. In the rural West, he was probably one of the few Black men people here ever met. Edwards himself didn't expect to meet another Black man while riding through the region, but his assumptions were off.
7: You know, here was this, uh, this Black guy that I, I bumped into, and I was like, what are you doing here? You know, it, it turns out, you know, this is where he, he grew up. And, uh, you know, I, I, sort of asked him, well, you know, how do you sort of, sort of it's great because he sort of wore his, uh, his, his liberal leanings on his sleeve. I knew immediately that, you know, we were, uh, cut from the same cloth and, um, yeah, I sort of asked him, well, how do you, how do you manage in this, uh, you know, uh, red, red saturated environment? And, um, he just kind of looked at me and said, oh, I manage. Don't worry. I manage." <laughs> he had this sort of confidence about him, which, uh. It was just really, really gratifying to see.
1: It goes to show you the rural West is complicated. Every time you think you can pigeonhole someone, they shake up your expectations. Riding along the continental divide for nearly a month, I realize America is a big quilt all these little disparate communities stitched together. There are forces trying to pull that quilt apart. The edges are fraying. But out here, we're connected by this landscape, the black highways and the sagebrush, wild country that doesn't care what you look like or who you vote for. This version of the West has been around a lot longer than guns, pickup trucks, cattle gates, and bicycles. I'm Nate Hedgie with the Mountain West News Bureau. Our sound designer is Liza Yeager. Artwork by Luke Anderson. And the Mountain West News Bureau is a consortium of NPR member stations covering the region. Our partner stations include Wyoming Public Media, Boise State Public Radio in Idaho, KUNC in Colorado, KUNR in Nevada, KUNM in New Mexico, and the O'Connor Center for the Rocky Mountain West in Montana. Our managing editor is Kate Concannon.